Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Aloha, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. I'm Christine Heath, coming to you from the Big Island in Hawaii, and I'm here with my uh, best friend and soul sister. (laughs) Judy Sedgman, and I'm coming to you from chilly Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I'm thrilled. I always warm up when I get to be with my best friend, Chris, so... Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we thought we'd talk today because I can't tell you how many people I've talked to that are stressed about the holidays. Right. And you can see that we've created this monster with the holidays where people have to do all these things. I got to get my my holiday cards out and I have to buy presents and I have to ship it off before a certain time so it gets to wherever it's going. And which are all things that we do from our love for people. Mm-hmm. And I'm always amazed at how we turn doing something that's coming from love into something that's stressing us out. Yeah. I also went to um, uh, one of the islands here in Hawaii and uh, did a, a program for a medical center on stress. And one of the things that I wanted to talk about for us, because I realized that we didn't really have a podcast that really talked about stress specifically and its relationship to what we call anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's really, they're the same thing, but it's just by degree. So when people are a little bit anxious, you know, they'll call it, oh, I'm a little stressed. And then when they're really anxious and having panic attacks, then they have anxiety. Right. But (laughs) it's really kind of degrees to the same misuse of the gift of thought. And, what happens is, is that people don't see that they're thinking about the details of their life. Like right now with the holidays, everybody's in the details. I got to get this done. I got to get that done. I got to get, got to make cookies. I've got to, you know, do whatever you do when you celebrate it. Just about everybody celebrates at this time of year, but whatever it is that you do, you get busy in your head and fearful that you won't get it done. Mm-hmm. And that kind of underlying fear creates what people call um, stress or anxiety. So when those fearful thoughts look very real, then you get a, the worse experience of it, the more you think about it. And so after a while, people start to think that stress is normal and that it's just what happens every time of year at this year or it's what happens at their job. It's what happens in their family. And one of the things that I thought was really important to help people to see was that it's not your family or your job or the holidays that create stress. It's the way you're thinking about it and the way that you're managing the details in your head. Yeah. So, you know, like we all have too much to do probably Mm -hmm. We've created a world where we're into information. We do a lot of things. 
And then we add a few things on. Well, now we're like vomiting because we're doing too much. Sorry, my, my, my dog's chiming in that I'm doing too much, I think. <laughs> so stress is something that is created from within us. The state of mind we're in and the way we're thinking at, in the moment. For instance, I am this weekend, I'm involved in rally competition with one of my dogs which means I have to go to the stadium and compete with other people. Now, you would think that I was running for president of the United States <laughs> and that I was about to, you know, be elected if I win. And it's all on me to do this. I can get, I can feel myself get tight in my chest and, and I start to worry about it. Like we have to do really well or what? I don't know. But it's, you know, this performance anxiety that I've had since I was actually going to be the angel Gabriel in the church play. And I made myself so sick I couldn't do it. And so I just have this way of thinking, right? So it's very irritating to me because I'm not used to having that feeling anymore. But when I start to think about it, then I get this this tightness. Now, yesterday we competed. We got second in our division, which was good. Everything went fine. There was absolutely no reason to be tense about it. But my thinking, which had nothing to do with this scent work, I mean, with that, sorry, my rally, is just, it's about me. It's my ego that creates that feeling of fear or tension. And it, I mean, like I can recognize it now and I let it go and then I go have fun when we did it. You know, it was fine. But I can feel when I'm practicing like that thinking comes in and I'm like, what is wrong with you? So I have to, you know, like stop myself and say, knock it off. Come back in the moment. Now I'm going to make this this uh, podcast with Judy and I'll forget about it. And when I forget about it, the stress magically disappears. Yeah. Now, the thing about the stress is that I'm not even at the competition. I'm thinking about it. I'm not even there. It's like hours from now, right? But I start thinking about it, and that thinking about me performing is my little ego, right? That's just the way I think about myself sometimes, and it gets triggered. So I got to take myself by the hand and, you know, don't yell at my dog because he's not doing what I want him to do and things that I kind of really want to do when I'm in that stress place. And I use that as a signal that I need to calm down, that I need to clear my mind of whatever that is. So I think people do that a lot. Like a lot of stress that people have at work is because they want to do a really good job at their job, or they have fear that they're not going to do a good job. Either one puts pressure on you. Because you're just not going to work having a good time knowing that you will do the best job you can do. You know, like I, I had two people this week, two clients, both in their 40s, really stressed out from their job. And so I was listening to them. I said, now, how long, how old are you? And they said, 45. And I said, have you ever like screwed up at your job before? Like really bad? No. Well, what makes you think you're going to start now? <laughs> and he's like, well, I don't know. I said, well, isn't that what you're afraid of? Like you've been kind of living in fear that somehow you're going to screw up. 
even though you're 45 and never have. Now, that's the power of thought to create an experience in us that has nothing to do with the facts and everything to do with imagination. And we have these fearful thoughts about our performance, how well we're going to do, what we should be, in quotation marks, should be doing as a good therapist or as a good mother or as a good employee, whatever it is. And we put pressure on ourselves. And that pressure is coming from our thinking, and that's what we call anxiety. So when people feel anxious, they're putting pressure on themselves in terms of what they need to get done or how well they need to get it done, all kinds of things that can create it. <laughs> Excuse me. You know, that's uh, that kind of reminded me of my life before, <laughs> before the principles is that I... I was so busy trying to get it right. You know, I just had this this performance anxiety all the time and I didn't even know it. I just thought I have a really hard job and it's very complicated and I've just got to focus. I've got to focus. I've got to really think this through. And I was totally lost in my intellect, you know, trying to use my intellect to fix my intellect. And um, and I actually was doing a good job, but it was at some risk to my health and well-being and happiness and so on, because that's pretty much all I could think about is my job. And after I started learning the principles, I realized when I really, when I started to really see the power of thought, I thought, I, I'm creating all this anxiety. It always works out. I always figure it out. I always see what to do. Maybe I would see it quicker if I wasn't so anxious about it. It just, you know, occurred to me. And I used to have this um, over-preparation mentality because so I was over-prepared for everything. It was like, oh, I was that way in school too. I would, you know, if I, was, if I was supposed to read one book, I'd read two. You know, <laughs> and, I was like, and if somebody said, you know, we're going to have a, a big history test, you know, I would, I would like reread the history chapter 17 times. You know, I just, I couldn't. I I was never I never thought I was prepared, which you know served me well. I got good grades, but it was again t- totally out of out of reason, you know, way beyond reason. Mm-hmm. But it's all I could see to do to keep myself um, calm enough to go on, you know. Otherwise, I would just freak out. And you know, I I'm amazed that I lived that long that way without making myself really sick. To be honest with you, because it's exhausting. And now I see exhaustion and and tiredness as kind of a warning sign that I'm thinking too much, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's, it really is tiring to think a lot, to overthink. Mm -hmm. It's not at all tiring to live in the moment. It's kind of draining. It's a different tired than if you do manual labor for the day. Right. Tired them. But when you're thinking too much, you get drained. Right. And yeah. And you just kind of feel burned out. Mm Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that happened is um, <laughs> I was supposed to give a talk, you know, and, it, and, I, and I'm, I was a public speaker. I was a motivational speaker for a while. <laughs> you know, I'm not now, so don't get excited. But, um, you know, I, I did that for a while and I was a public speaker and I was asked to speak a lot. And you would think, well, gosh, she speaks all the time. She must, you know, must be a pleasure, must be really easy for her, but it wasn't because I was always overprepared 
And so the first time that I ever went to give a talk after getting involved in the principles, even though I didn't have to, it wasn't an hour or anything. I only had like a 30 minute talk to give. Um, I remember that, you know, that my teacher said, don't prepare, just go in and speak from the heart. Talk about what you know. Don't worry about it. Whatever makes sense to you that's applicable to the people in the audience, pick up the feeling of the audience and just speak to that. And I was like, that's something you can't think about in advance. You know, what I realized is there's no way I can prepare to know what the audience wants, you know, <laughs> until I get there. And so the, the way it was defined for me, there was no way to uh, sort of bypass the advice and, and prepare. So I sort of sucked it up and said, okay, I'm just going to give this a shot. It's, it's not a big deal. And if I feel nobody's going to know about it. And I just walked in there and I uh, sat in the room while they were introducing me and kind of looked around. And I realized that everybody in the audience was doing something else while being there. Like they were checking their phone or they were, you know, reading a piece of paper or they were looking, you know, talking to somebody in house chones while I was being introduced. So they were multitasking is what I would say. And I thought, oh, multitasking, that's a really bad idea. Although I've done a lot of it myself. And uh, I got up there to talk and I said, you know, um, I happened to be, you know, sitting for a little bit while we were waiting to start. And I noticed that a lot of you are really busy you know, doing something while you're here with me. And, you know, I'm feeling if, if there's something that's really important for you to go to do, just go do it. You don't have to stay here, you know, because you can't really listen to me and, and, and solve a problem or talk to somebody else or, you know, write a memo. You know, we can basically only do one thing at a time. And life is kind of one thought at a time and I won't be hurt. You know, I know you're all busy people. And everybody kind of looks sheepish and kind of puts stuff away. <laughs> and then when, uh, and one person actually did leave and that was fine. You know, I, I'd said that and I'm sure they probably had something they really needed to do. So uh, then I started talking about how multitasking had been so tiring and so nonproductive for me and just sharing my own experience with kind of slowing down and, you know, focusing on the thing that was in front of me and not trying to think about 50 things at once. And I talked about how subtle the, the, uh, the call is for us to have a lot to do. So we try to think about it all the time, all of it, you know, and, and you can't, you know, you, you just, you, you, your mind just turns into like spaghetti. You know? And, uh, and so somebody raised their hand while I was just starting and said, well, so how did you change? I mean, that sounds so nice that you think you can do one thing at a time and still get it all done, but how did you do that? And I said, you know, I didn't, I can't say that I ever did anything. I saw that it wasn't effective, that it was a, that was a misuse of my ability to, to do my work. And I didn't realize that until I saw it. I had to see it for myself. And I said, I, I would suggest that, you know, what somebody suggested to me is to quiet down and kind of reflect more on life and not spend so much time planning what I'm going to do next and thinking what other people should be doing and all that. And when I got quieter, I, 
I just saw that I could do much more, much quicker by just slowing down and reflecting and, and seeing what was important to do right then and just focusing on that thing and then seeing what was important to do next and focusing on that thing. And it was working out for me. And I said, it's kind of magical. I can't even really explain it, except that it, it's not special. It's just that it's a much more efficient way to do work. And I mentioned, because it was true, that uh, in my company, which was a fairly, was only two years, three years old at the time, that we had, uh, you know, X many employees. And usually every time we added a client, we added a couple of employees but that since my company had all kind of shared the experience of learning that I'd been through, um, we just took on three new employees and, and three new customers and we didn't have to add any employees. I asked the people, you know, do you, you want me to hire somebody? And everybody was like, no, no, we can do it. And that all came from just quieting down and, you know, it's like going slower to get more done. It does, it seems counterintuitive, but it really isn't. Because when you take all the stressful, anxious, ego-driven thinking out of it, you know, like, I've got to be perfect, I've got to get this right, uh, and you just focus on the task at hand um, and do it, it gets done. And I, it kind of like spread, you know, it sort of spread like honey through my life. You know, when you pour honey into a dish and it starts to spread really slowly, well, you know, it just kind of like started with work, but then all of a sudden, you know, it, it spread out to when my daughter was asking for help with her homework and it spread out to when I had to give a dinner party and I only had a little bit of time after work until everybody was coming. And and I, I just kept having ideas about ways to do things more efficiently. And also, I wasn't wasting a lot of time second guessing everything that came to mind. It's not that many things were coming to mind, to be honest. I would, you know, I would I was getting fewer but more high quality ideas, is what I would say. And I and I would instead of second guessing them, I would get this feeling, oh yeah, I think that makes sense. I'll just do that. And then I wouldn't say, well, maybe I shouldn't do that. I should call six people and ask them what they would do. <laughs> I didn't. I stopped all those habits of insecure habits of that anxiety kind of pushes us to do. And I really, honestly, I would have to tell you that I did not feel anxious. I was so accustomed to anxiety and stress that I just, um, it was like my life. You know, it's sort of like when you, if you have a, um, you know, a sore somewhere and it's, it hurts, and, but it's healing and, and you just know it's, you got to put up with it and then you just get it off your mind. You still have it. And if you pay attention, it hurts. But if you're not thinking about it, it stops hurting in your mind. And that's kind of what happened to me. I just stopped thinking all these extraneous thoughts. And then when I wasn't thinking them anymore, I felt better. When I felt better, I did better. And I think that that's something we miss in life because a lot of people who are living under a lot of stress and anxiety habitually honestly believe that it's good for them, that it's motivating them. And it's not. It's exhausting you. You're, I'm muted, Chris. I can't hear you. Sorry. That's why I, I got stressed because my dog was barking. So <laughs> I had to mute myself because that feeling of anxiety and stress came in like, oh, my God. And so I muted myself and then I forgot about it. 
Yeah. <laughs> and no longer stressed by it anymore. So it, it comes and goes. It's not like you're going to be totally free of it. This is life. But it's like I used to, it would come and it wouldn't go. Mm-hmm. It was just always there. So I was walking around fearful something was going to go wrong. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it, it's realizing that it's our own thinking that is creating how we are in the world. It's not the world creating how we are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, what you said was really beautiful because like this last month, I probably have done more in the last month than I've done in six months in many ways. I had like everything that I agreed to do with happened to fall in the same month. And, and then we got this project to do on top of it. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to just deal with what I'm doing next. Mm -hmm. So like now my rally dog training is on the plate, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then I have two more things I have to do, but it's, it's not, if I thought of them all at once, you get that feeling of overwhelm Yeah. and overwhelm is just the a signal telling you, you have too many programs running. You have too many things you're trying to process at once. And so the computer crashes, your mind crashes, you have a meltdown. You're like, I can't handle this. It's too much. And it looks like it's your job. And, and sometimes people do have jobs. Like and there's some places where they can't hire people and you end up having doing two or three jobs. But listen, folks, this is a deal. You can only do what a human being can do. That just because you're doing three jobs doesn't mean you can be doing three jobs. You can be doing one job at, in every moment and you do what you can get done. And then the rest of it, somehow it falls into place. Time is magical in that way. When your mind gets busy, you never have enough time. But if you think I've got all the time in the world, I'm going to absolutely get this done. And then you're able to do it. And then you do it more efficiently and more effectively, as you said. But also things come into your life that change. So when I was first learning the principles, I had a list of, I don't know how many things I really needed to get done before I could do my first training in this. And I found the list six months later and not one thing on that list had gotten done. But before I left, it felt like, you know, this is God speaking. These things must be done. Yeah. And, and I found the list. I said, well, so much for that because we just make up stuff in our head and then we act as if it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So no matter what it is that you're doing in your life, you you may feel some stress from it, but that is just your signal to come back in the moment and take another look at how you're doing it. Yeah. How am I doing this? How can I do it in a way that's not going to be stressful? So stress isn't there to tell you anything other than the way you're currently thinking about your life is going to generate anxiety in you. So knock it off. Yeah. (laughs) So you get a little more stressed and then you start having anxiety. So, you know, the other thing you said, I thought that was really important. We got a a request for somebody to talk about anxiety. Her husband has anxiety and I think she might have anxiety because he has anxiety, but you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a way that people look at stress or anxiety as a, 
uh, a thing. Caused by something outside of them. Caused by something outside of them. Caused by life. Mm -hmm. Caused by life in some way, shape, or form. But the only thing that stress is caused by is our own thinking about life. Mm -hmm. That's why one person has a job and they get so stressed out they have to go out on medical leave. And the other person has the exact same job for the exact same company, and they love it. They don't have any stress and anxiety from it. So it's not the job that creates your anxiety. Mm -hmm. It's your inability to let go of that feeling of stress when it's alerting you, your thinking is off. Then you quiet your mind, and your thinking recalibrates. And then you're able to see what you should change, what you should do differently, what you need to pay attention to, and you're able to get it done more effortlessly. I have one brief example to share. <laughs> Is that in my early, uh, in my youth, I, was, uh, I worked for a newspaper for a number of years. And of course, newspapers are all about deadlines. And, and you have to finish your story. I mean, you, it's going to go in the paper and you can't say, I'm, I'm not through. Can you hold on the hold the presses, you know, so mm -hmm. deadlines, uh, I mean, deadlines drove a lot of people out of journalism, to be honest with you. It's like, I never, uh, it didn't bother me for some reason because I, uh, I just always got my work done, but, but, um, there were people that would, you know, they couldn't let go. I kind of had, I kind of caught on quickly that if I don't finish the research on this story today, I can follow up tomorrow. So I got to do as much as I can do to write a whole story that has a beginning, middle, and end, and know that I can follow it up if there's more. And so I never really got freaked out, but there were some people that just couldn't stop researching. You know, it'd be like deadline, and the editor would say, "You better start writing. You better start writing." And they'd be going, "Like, oh, I got to make one more phone call." And that's where that's where stress and anxiety. Just I realized looking back on that, they just couldn't let go and accept the fact that sometimes. You got to. You can't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. You know, mm -hmm. life is not perfect, and that's a very helpful realization. And I and I think that for, for a lot of people that are stressed and anxious, a lot of it is they have set a goal for themselves that's unreachable, or a, a deadline that's impossible given all they have set out to do. Mm -hmm. And instead of just stepping back and going like, okay, what's another way to go about this? You know, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be done by four if I do it this way. Mm -hmm. um, they would go, oh, they've got to, they've got to wait. I'm, I'm almost done. I'm, I got to work faster. And they, and and the more you think those things, you're taking so much energy away from the task at hand. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think that's the important thing to realize that when you quiet down and reflect and just look at what you can do, um, you have your whole energy to do it. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to do it well and get farther ahead than you thought than if you spend all your time thinking, oh, I'm just so busy. I can't believe it. I've got, no, oh my God, I've got to do this. I've got to do that. And I think that's one of the reasons the holidays are stressful because it's all extra stuff that you're not used to thinking about. Mm -hmm. That's right. And instead of it being fun, it becomes a burden. Yeah. So, you know, what I'm hoping is that you all just really have fun this holiday and your preparation goes really well. and um. You have a great time with your family and friends and don't worry about it. Yeah. And, you know, this is the, the thing. It's like, I'm ready to go do my rally now. I'm, I got my head in the right place. 
Yeah. And then my dog will do well. And so your families will do better. The yep. people in your lives will do better. Right. But you have to see that that's, that place of calm is always inside of you. Mm-hmm. No matter what season it is, no matter what medical people have told you, no matter what diagnoses you have, no matter what job you have, it's like knowing that that's there and going to that feeling yeah. is the answer. And nobody's special. Nobody's broken. Nobody can't do that. But you have to do it yourself. Right. Nobody can do it for you. Right. So have a really wonderful time getting ready. Like when you're making cookies or you're making your shopping, get into a good feeling. Yeah. And share that with people. You know, yeah. like it'll be amazing how presents appear and and you yeah. just all of a sudden you know what to get somebody. It makes yeah. it a lot easier. So enjoy. Yep, with that, aloha. Mm -hmm. And we shall see you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.